0: It's that time, the Sports Talker. Here's TJ Walker.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to a much quieter edition of the Sports Talker today on a Wednesday. A sad Wednesday for all Americans, all United States soccer fans. Yesterday was a, a really fun time. Out at Saints, being able to watch the game, the result not so much uh, disappointing on that front. But it was fun to do the show out there. I hope again, I hope it didn't sound terrible. I know how loud it was. I could hardly, I couldn't even really hear myself talk. But hopefully, you all could. A great time out there as always. And, and I know in four years where I'll be watching the World Cup, and it's kind of sad to think that that's how long before the World Cup starts back up for the United States, assuming they qualify. It's such a long long process but there's other the United States plays in other tournaments they'll have other matches the women's World Cup is next year there's other things on the soccer front to look forward to and I've decided that at some point this summer uh, I, I talked about I've talked about on the show before how I'm not a big English Premier League fan I don't really have a club soccer team whether it's EPL or Uh, a Spanish team like Barcelona or Madrid. But I think this summer I'm going to decide one and maybe I'll wait till after the world cup so I can get a better feel for players and maybe pick a favorite player and then follow his team. But I'm going to, I'm going to pick a club team to follow and it'll be, it will be a completely bandwagon type process. And I have to figure out who I'm going to, who I'm going to decide. It's I think it's going to be, it'll be fun and, and maybe that will help my soccer interest and maybe not having to wait four years for another World Cup not seem as bad. But anyways, disappointing loss. Uh, not really a surprise. Josie Altador didn't start, didn't play, and just game had a, a very Ghana-like feel to it. Tim Howard being made a, a hero today for his efforts yesterday, and, and rightfully so, did an unbelievable job, and you can only ask so much of him finally surrendering a goal, and then another goal, USA able to make that one goal back up but couldn't find the equalizer. The thing, the articles floating around today is how soccer is going to take another step forward in this country. And the same thing was said in 2002. 2006, I don't remember it as much. And then 2010, I, I, I kind of remember the same conversations happening after the United States lost to Ghana in the same round that they lost this year is that the United States is going to take a step forward. Soccer is going to become more popular in this country. And you're hearing the same stuff today. What I'm worried about is is that it is just the same thing and and that I don't necessarily believe that this is the United States ceiling, but I do worry that they're never going to become a national, a, a worldwide power rather on the soccer scene because this excitement, it's going to, it's, it's going to level out fairly quickly. And that's why I thought it was so important. Like I stated yesterday that they needed to win to continue this movement, to have it go on as long as possible. Now, I think the overnight ratings for the, the USA Belgium game were the, the most watched, the most watched ESPN event ever, or at least soccer, soccer related. Certainly the, the most-watched World Cup game on ESPN, I, I, those numbers would have been crushed on Saturday if the United States had a chance to play Argentina. And, and now you don't get that opportunity. You don't get those those extra people jumping on board, being able to watch that maybe it has a, a ripple effect that sweeps across the country. That's why uh, th- That's why I'm worried that this is going to – everybody talking about how soccer in this country is going to take a step in the right direction and and continuing the momentum, that's what I'm worried about is it it could just be the same thing that it was four years ago. And there's no doubt that more fans watched this year, and there's no doubt that the the excitement was higher, more people are connected through social media at this time than they were four years ago. So it can be better, but I think it's time for the United States – and they and they have looked great in in non-world Cup tournaments the past four years since the last World Cup but it just needs to be a staple that not only does the United States can compete with anybody not just in World cups but just every four year or throughout the four years in the tournaments but they they need to control this region they need to control conficaf you have Costa Rica being the team that made it the farthest out of CONFACAF are in the quarterfinals. But the United States just needs to, when people think of soccer in the CONFACAF region, they need to automatically think of United States. And I think right now they probably think of Mexico and the United States. It's time for the United States to overpass Mexico. And I think that will go a long way. I do think we'll be better in four years, but I don't know if the progress in four years will be enough that fans are looking for. And really it's got to start with kids now that are wanting to turn to soccer, wanting soccer to become a serious option for them when they're growing up. And then maybe you see improvements in, in eight or 12 years. seems like a long way to go, but that's kind of how that's kind of how it works, but a fun run, uh, a very likable team, a very likable group. I'm on the Jurgen Klinsmann bandwagon. I'm a huge fan of his. I hope he is around for world cups to come. Just come up a little short yesterday against Belgium and a game that, not a not a ton of offense from the Americans, disappointing, but they had their chances for sure. And a couple heartbreaking moments, jaw-dropping moments, some good set pieces that they just couldn't capitalize on. But it is what it is, and, and the country will move forward. It's still Fourth of July week. It's still Fourth of Jul- July weekend, and it's uh, this team is worth celebrating. So that's it from the soccer front. I don't really want to talk about it too much because it kind of makes me Upset and sad, and it's over. I think I was as upset after yesterday's loss as I have been as a sports fan in a very long time. It's just, it just that's the thing about the World Cup is everything with it is so final. And when you only get to compete once every four years, you got to think the next time that they're in the World Cup, I'm going to be 27 years old. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go up to Saints and and maybe throw back as many beers as I could when I was 23. But then again, we'll see. I uh, am probably throwing back more beers being 23 than I was when I was 19. And when I was 19, I was in college. So maybe a little bit concerning on that front. As always, you can tweet into the show at T Walker Rivals. Let me know what you thought of the game. Or let me know just what's going on in the sports world. Not a ton of big news today outside of one thing that is kind of big. UK released their non-conference schedule, and most of these games weren't a surprise. Now, some of the, the smaller games were, you didn't really know who those opponents would be. We found that out today, but the big games we already knew. We already knew Kentucky were, was, was going to play Kansas and Texas, North Carolina, UCLA, Louisville. We knew those games were going to happen. We didn't necessarily know that they were going to be playing Columbia from the Ivy League, We didn't know that they were going to be playing Boston, which features uh, Mr. Kentucky basketball from a few years back. We didn't know those, but now we have it all. We have the dates and it's some interesting stretches, a stretch of games, a couple of different ones, in my opinion, that that stood out to me, not so much the games themselves. I mean, it's the most loaded out of conference schedule that you're going to see in the country. There's no arguing that, but First off, the last three games of 2014, of this year, are a week apart, North Carolina, UCLA, that game will be in Chicago, and at Louisville. That's going to kind of give a college football feel for this basketball team, and that's going to be an important time for for Kentucky basketball. This Louisville game always falls right after Christmas nowadays. Sometimes I think it's been New Year's Eve before. I don't remember if it's been after New Year's Eve, or after New Year's. I'm not sure about that, but it's always, lately it's always been uh, a few days after Christmas, obviously a few days before the New Year's. It used to be back in early December, mid to early December, and they, they have since moved it back. So there's always a concern that when these players go home for Christmas, if they go home for Christmas, which Calipari generally lets them go home, that their mind's not going to be on the Louisville game. Kentucky fans worry about that. I don't think Rick Pitino let his let his players go home last Christmas, which I'm not making an issue out of that. That's fine. You're a team. You can share Christmas together, but Kentucky John Calipari does let his, his his teammates or his players go home for Christmas for at least a few days. So there's always concern that mentally, where are they going to be when they play Louisville just two days after Christmas coming back, probably the 26th, maybe even the night of the 25th. I would imagine but that's the last game of the year for Kentucky. But anyways, you go North Carolina, December 13th, UCLA, December 20th, and then the Louisville game, December 27th. Like I said, it's going to have a very college football feel. But if Kentucky wants to make a run in March, if they're going to, if they're going to win their ninth national title, you're, it's going to be because of the improvement they make from that North Carolina game to that Louisville game. Now, that's the end of finals. You're only playing one game a week. That's a ton of practice time, and when you do play, you're playing against good competition. That's the time if Kentucky's going to grow. It's going to be over that week, three-week stretch. That's probably where we'll see Camp Cal, which is his version of a boot camp where they condition and basically treat it like it's the off-season. But that's when this team's going to grow. That's when this team's going to learn. They're not going to be distracted by school. They're not going to be distracted, honestly, by kind of silly games uh, like against Columbia, like against Montana state, it's just going to be all practice time. And when they do play, there's not going to be any room for error in in those games against North Carolina, UCLA and Louisville. So if they're going to make a deep March run, a deep run into April and go back to another final four, back to another national title game, it's going to be because of the improvements they make that throughout the end of December. What the team they look like on December 13th against North Carolina better not look like the team that they play at Louisville December 27th. Actually, I'll say the day after. They're allowed to not, in my opinion, they're allowed to lose to Louisville in that game. And and if I had to guess right now, I'd probably say that they are going to lose at Louisville. But how do they fight in that game? How do they respond when they get down? Is it better than how they responded against North Carolina? Do they come together? And where do they stand on December 28th in terms of some of the better college basketball teams in the country? That's a, that's a, a long time to get better. That's a time that they have to get better. Because after that, school starts back up, SEC play starts. Their first game in 2015 is going to be an SEC game. And from that point forward, it's going to be some up and down. You're going to lose some games on the road. But you're not really going to have much time to think. That's when the season really goes by quick. That's when everything picks up. So you need to get improvement. You need to get better during those three weeks. But it really just a fantastic schedule. And there's no reason, in my opinion, for they, – they are going to play five games. I'm playing three exhibition games this year, which I think is unusual. But they're going to have five games, if you count the exhibition games, before their matchup against Kansas. Now, you're putting that on top of the Bahamas trip Dakari Safari, as the people like to call it, a.k.a. the people me. So you're going to have five games, five tune-up games, a blue-white scrimmage, big blue madness, and the Bahamas trip before that Kansas game. I don't want to necessarily hear the excuses that this team needs to mesh, everybody needs to figure out their roles. That's not necessarily untrue. Because it's it's going to be a work in progress. And I talk about how that last three-week stretch is when they really need to drastically improve. But even after that, they're still going to get better those last few months. But I'm not necessarily buying any excuse. If they look bad against Kansas, that it's, oh, well, they'll, be, they'll get better as the year goes on. It's okay. Don't worry about it. They will get better as the year goes on, but that's not okay. They, at that point, against Kansas, a team that's going to have Cliff Alexander and Kelly Oubre, and losing Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid, against Kansas, they're going to be the more experienced team, and they're going to be the more experienced team against a lot of guys, a lot of teams. Kansas is going to have Perry Ellis, but Cliff Alexander and Kelly Oubre are freshmen, and Kentucky has freshmen too that are going to play a lot, but a lot of the guys that they're counting on are not freshmen. They're sophomores and they're juniors. And Kentucky, there's no excuse they don't beat Kansas, especially with five tune-up games before especially with the Bahamas trip and the fact that all these players are now on campus getting to know each other. Now, some of them have been banged up, but by that time, they they should be good to go. I I think when Kentucky lost last season to Michigan State, fans weren't so disappointed because – Michigan State was an experienced team. Kentucky started five freshmen. They might have not started five freshmen then. It might have been four with Willie Colley Stein starting, but they played a lot of freshmen. They got down, they fought back. It was kind of a moral victory for Kentucky. There will be no such thing against Kansas and Indianapolis November 18th. We're going to head to our first commercial break. We'll come back. We're going to talk more about this schedule. Some games that jump out to me, some possible losses for Kentucky, and we'll talk some other shenanigans here on 1450 The Sports Bus. So stick around.
0: Listening to The Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz.
1: And we're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz on a Wednesday, 1450 WXVW. Appreciate everybody listening. Yates, how are you doing?
0: Uh, A little bummed out, but I'm doing all right.
1: You holding in there?
0: Yeah, I'm hanging in there.
1: Uh, I, I. Thought I thought know, I thought about you after they lost. I knew you were probably pretty upset. I was the same way, buddy. We can get through this together. It's not the end of the world. they, they played well. Uh, the, any what, what did you what did you wish the United States would have done differently yesterday? Um, gosh, besides I mean,
0: win. <laughs> I wish they would have won. yeah. Um, I mean I get there's a lot of people that are giving Klinsmann some flack for his what, what turned out to be the fourth different lineup in four matches for the U S and I think that some of it is probably warranted. Um, I mean, you take out a guy like Kyle Beckerman, who's been as good as anybody on the team. Um, you don't play as many midfielders as you had been playing, which I think is probably what led to the lack of possession that the U S struggled with in the second half. Um, so, but I mean, at the same time, you talk, you know, Playing without Josie Altador, Fabian Johnson, who's been one of your better players so far in this World Cup, goes down fairly early on in the match.
1: Um, yeah, I didn't even mention that.
0: So I mean, Belgium's a better; they were the better team. I mean, there's not much more you can say beyond that. I mean, we we had a chance to win. Um, you know, we, we could have won, but like I said, they they were the better team. They brought on one of their best players after regulation ended. So, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say what we could have done differently to pull out the win, but I mean, not, you know.
1: Yeah, it's a disappointing loss and that's the thing about soccer managers, coaches, whatever you want to call them, is that I think when the game is going on, it's fair to say that they their impact is not as felt as much as other coaches and other sports. You know, they they. They know the set pieces that they're supposed to run, and maybe there is some uh, coaching that goes on throughout the game. But mostly, it's the players doing what they've been taught in practices, and taught in meetings, and and videos, uh, film sessions. They're taught what to do, but they do have to. Managers and coaches do have to manage games. They have to bring players in. They have to do the lineups. It's it's like baseball in a sense in that front, and I. I if you lose no matter what Jurgen's going to be criticized for not playing certain people and and rightfully so in some in some uh senses but if they win he looks like a genius that's just the way it works in sports but one of my favorite people i follow when it comes to US soccer and especially this world cup is grant wall of sports illustrated and it kind of bummed me out when i saw that he tweeted that Landon Donovan would have made a difference in extra time. I, I, he's obviously he knows more about soccer than I could than I'll ever know, and, and he's covered this team. He's the best. He's the best guy on the beat. He's a lot better than than Dan Wetzel. Uh, I think that's probably safe to say. But I bet Wetzel was happy United States went down yesterday. Yeah, sure, but that's neither here nor there. But him to say that kind of bummed me out because I don't want the attention turned back on this team to Landon Donovan and whether or not he should have been on the team. If he would have made a difference, would he have helped if he was fit and in shape? Would he have helped in that extra time yesterday? Sure. Uh, he would have. Now, do we score a goal? Maybe not. Maybe we lose two nil. Do we score two goals? Maybe we do. You don't know, but I think you're very much as likely not to score one goal than scoring two. And his experience certainly would have helped. But maybe you don't get out of the group of death if you play Landon Donovan throughout that group. Maybe you don't beat Ghana if you start him. It, it, too many what ifs, and I, and I think it wasn't a very fair thing for him to say. Uh, it wasn't really a criticizing Jurgen Klinsmann, but it was just kind of pointing that out there. And it's going to let the anti-Jurgen Klinsmann supporters have more fuel for their fire, and the people that. Wanted Landon Donovan on the team originally now can say, well, see, he could have helped. I don't think that's necessarily, necessarily fair to say. Would he, his experience certainly would have helped. I don't think USA wins that game even if he does play an extra time, even if he is on the team and plays throughout the World Cup. I, I think, like you said, it's Belgium was just the better team. And the United States showed as much fight as I've seen any team in this World Cup. And really a refuse to lose attitude despite the loss. But they just aren't as talented. At the end of the day, talent can uh, generally beats wins out. Not in every circumstance, but it did yesterday. Unfortunately, I I, I don't. I'm not a huge tennis guy. I, I can watch it. I, I certainly like to play it. It's a great workout, a great exercise. Been watching a little Wimbledon. Yates, did you see Serena Williams?
0: I I did not actually. I, well, I caught like the very last, like the end of the the clip where it was showing that she went out. I think I saw maybe like wheeling her out on a stretcher or however they took her off. And I heard that she had some sort of viral infection, but I didn't actually see it when, when it happened. No.
1: Yeah. I don't, I I don't, I wasn't watching it live when it happened, but I, I did see the the clips of it. It was in doubles, which I guess the, the Williams sisters are unbeatable in doubles or uh, it seems like every tournament they're winning that I've paid attention. I'm sure some tennis people out there would know better than me, but it was a doubles match and she was serving and her first serve, she just kind of misses the ball when she's throwing it up there. And then the second serve, she she's kind of stumbling around and serves it just well short of the net. It was really scary to see, especially just an iconic figure in her sport to just look sick or kind of, I think messed up is a good way to put it. It was, um, it was, it was awkward. And, and yeah, that's what they're saying is that it could just, it's a, a viral infection, which I don't necessarily know what that means or, or how that works. And she was kind of just missing balls when they were throwing it to her throughout the match. They were throwing it and she was just dropping them and missing them. It, I mean, it really looked like she was kind of just drunk out there on the tennis court, but she wasn't and she's obviously sick. So Interesting. I, I don't know how she looked maybe before the match and before the warm ups. If she did anything that kind of would have tipped off to these hints, but certainly a strange sight coming from Wimbledon. And it seems like all the all the big big names are going down in this in this uh, tennis this tennis match tournament, whatever the cool kids like to call it. Anyways, there there will be more World Cup. There's still a tournament to be played. I'm sure I'm going to watch it. I won't like it. It's going to hurt. But it will be an exciting quarterfinals, and uh, I think really you could make a case for any team making the World Cup. I, I don't know a situation that I could see Costa Rica winning the World Cup, but they've looked good so far. They've uh, I think Belgium has a good chance to, to go far in this tournament. There's, it's, it's, open, it's up in the air, in my, my opinion. I don't like everybody picking Colombia to beat Brazil. I'm seeing that pick too much on Twitter and on certain websites. The more that, the more that I see it picked, the less likely I think that's going to happen. I think Brazil's you, you're waiting for them to click. And I think eventually it's going to happen. I think Chile had the chance, the best chance to knock them out of the tournament. I've got a feeling that they're probably still going to win, but might not be as easy as many people had, uh, had originally imagined. Anyways, let's get back talking a little bit about UK's basketball schedule and, <laughs> I had my girlfriend Hannah text into the show and say, basketball talk again, kind of hinting that it's the middle of summer. Maybe we should be talking a little football. We'll talk a little more football, and we have talked a lot of football on this show. But the schedule was released today, and I feel it's fitting to talk about that schedule. Now, another thing I thought was interesting is to start the year. Now, I talk about how they have no excuse against Kansas, but this might not be the most ideal situation to play Kansas is they're going to pl- start the year against Grand Canyon University uh, I, or Grand Canyon College not really 100% sure Grand Canyon which is uh, I think new to division one basketball they're going to play them on a Friday Kentucky is going to play Tennessee and football on a Saturday so November 15th and then they will play Buffalo on a Sunday And then Kansas on a Tuesday. That sounds like a very fun few days for for me and my work schedule. Really hoping I don't have to cover all three of those games. Or is that all four of those games? If you count the Indianapolis trip, hoping maybe I just have to maybe just cover the basketball or maybe just cover the football, one or the other. I guess I've got plenty of time to figure that out. But it could be some tired legs for that Kansas game. Still, it shouldn't be any excuses. But even after the Kansas game, they're going to play Boston on November twenty, the twenty-first. So that's a Friday, and then they're going to play Montana State that Sunday. So that's a lot of Friday Sunday games, and it's uh, it's going to be a busy schedule. Now they they do have a buy in football for that second dose of Friday Sunday game, so that's really just good news for me, and maybe good news for UK fans. They're going to be kind of fatigued in in watching UK sports. Then they play Louisville in football. I'm kind of going back and forth now between football and basketball. They play Louisville in football December or November 29th. So you'll have the football and basketball UK UL games within a month of each other. That's pretty cool. I like that. I know a lot of people weren't on board with them moving the football game back, but count me in. They'll play Providence. Well, this i, I got to get back to my point of all these games. So you're playing one, two, three, four games in a week, and then you play Montana State that following Sunday to make it five games in nine days, and then you play UT Arlington that Tuesday, that's a lot that's a lot of basketball games. That is 6 games from November 14th or November 14th to November 25th. That's more than normal in that stretch. But again, that's going to be a good time for the team to grow. It's, you, you, there's no doubt that Kentucky shouldn't win all those games, but you put you put the Kansas game aside and they should win all those games by 15 to 20 points. So it'll be a good time for them to grow even with tired legs. That that will be kind of when basketball season it will kick in for Kentucky fans that it's it's officially basketball season. But then after that kind of barrage of games, they're going to play Providence, which is a that's a good test. That will kind of and that game's at going to be at Rupp Arena. That will kind of transition them into playing a, a talented team at home and having a, a solid atmosphere. And then they'll play Texas. Texas is going to be a tough game. There's no doubt about that. If I had to pick a game that Kentucky might lose at home, really throughout this entire season, even the SEC play, you bring in the SEC teams as well, I think Texas would be the one I would pick if they're going to lose a game at home. Now, the other, only other realistic candidates for that would probably be Florida and North Carolina, unless they were just to get upset by Somebody crazy that we couldn't predict, which based on last year certainly could happen, with Arkansas and winning at at Kentucky and LSU presumably should have won at Kentucky, but that Texas would be the team. If I had to pick one game, Kentucky loses at Rupp Arena next year, it it would be Texas. They will play Eastern Kentucky. So if you're a fan of a of a college or you went to a college in Kentucky and you are a U.K. fan, or even if you're not a U.K. fan, there's a decent chance that Kentucky's going to play. They're going to play Transylvania. They're going to play Pikeville. They're going to play Georgetown College. They're going to to play Louisville, obviously, and Eastern Kentucky now. So really, it's kind of a, a Kentucky tour of, of teams that they're going to play. A lot of tournament teams in this out-of-conference out schedule. So Kentucky fans should get excited about the basketball season coming up and the teams that they're going to play. Now, if I had to pick one game on this out-of-conference schedule that Kentucky was going to lose, it would obviously be Louisville, in my opinion. That's going to be i I've got so much time to talk about that Kentucky-Louisville game, but that's going to be the game... That's going to be a tough game for Kentucky to win. It's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere. In the Yum Center, obviously, Louisville is going to... As if they needed more motivation than it just... Besides it being the rivalry game. Rick Pitino still has a, a very... Less than impressive record against John Calipari and Kentucky beat Louisville twice last year, knocked them out of the NCAA tournament. If I had to pick a game, Kentucky's going to lose in the out-of-conference. It's going to be the Louisville one. But the good news for Kentucky is had a tough out-of-conference schedule last year. Didn't win any of them besides Louisville. I don't expect that to be the case. There's a lot of signature wins to be picked up here. A lot of those games are at neutral sites or at Rupp Arena, Louisville being the only exception. So overall, it should be a good resume-building out-of-conference schedule for Kentucky. Yates, anything with U.K. schedule jump out to you as a as a Louisville fan?
0: Um, no, not particularly.
1: No, nothing. You, you as a college basketball fan, do you get excited that they're playing so many? Oh uh, yeah, I mean it, big, it's it's big name opponents.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a great schedule. It'll be a lot of they, a it, lot of it, it, fun it, games to watch.
1: There, there will be a lot of fun games, and the thing is, uh, as Kentucky and Kentucky fans will brag about this, how to conference schedule, which like they had any, any part of it. But it is exciting for Kentucky. It is exciting for a a team, not necessarily a young team, which is so weird to say. I'm gonna have to get used to not calling them a young team, and they still have young pieces. But it will be a good chance against high-level competition to make this team mesh together as soon as possible. And like I've talked about earlier in the show, the Bahamas trips is going to help with that Dakari Safari. But they have to do this because if you don't play a tough out-of-conference schedule, there is very few chances for signature wins in the SEC. Kentucky played two tournament teams in the SEC last year. And they play Florida quite a few times, losing all those games. but you have to play an out of conference schedule like this you have it, honestly it's, I it, it, you could make this schedule a little bit tougher if you play you used to have Indiana on the schedule. so it, it could be it could be a little bit harder. Indiana, this game, the Indiana game would be on the road if that home and home was still going on. So you could add this schedule with Indiana. Of course, Indiana has been terrible lately. So I don't know if that might actually hurt their their conference, their out of conference schedule ranking. I'm only kidding, but Indiana, ha- I'm not kidding about Indiana being bad. They they have been bad. They'll be a little bit better this year, I think, just because they couldn't get too much worse. Brun Brundi- DMC tweets in and asks about Bellarmine and Sullivan. No, Kentucky will not be playing Bellarmine or Sullivan. But Louisville plays Bellarmine a lot in the exhibition circuit. I'd like to see Kentucky and Bellarmine play. Get that game at Knights Hall. It'd be a great, great atmosphere. Good times. That's where I used to dominate Bellarmine basketball camp. Back as a, a 10-year-old, I won the one-on-one championship. It was, I mean, this is probably the peak of my basketball career. Playing one-on-one championship, and basically what you do is you just have a line of people long line and if you win you stay and if you win you get a point if you lose you have to go to the back of the line and you just play the first basket and winner gets ball and i i'm fairly i don't i can't remember if you you didn't have to rebound if you missed a shot it was just the other person's ball i can't remember if that was the case or not but that's not important so you have all the campers and you do this and then they narrow it down to about eight So I start off first in this one-on-one championship. This is, like I said, when I was like 10 or 12 years old. Start off when I start off in the first game. I don't have ball first. I'm kind of in a bad spot because if I lose, there's a time limit. There's like uh, you you play for five minutes or something. So if I lose, who knows how many chances I'm going to get to get back on the court. So somehow I win that first game, and then I win about five or six games, and then I lose, I have to go to the end of the line, and there's a good chance I'm not going to get back up. I finally do with about 30 seconds left. This other guy's been running the court. He's won about five games, so he only needs one more to uh, – I guess he's won four games. He only needs one more to tie uh, – to get close to my record. And he beats me again. But when he when he went up for a shot, the ball came down through the hoop and hit – accidentally hit my knee and rolled uh, the other end of the court. And time expired, and I won the one-on-one championship. Do I feel bad about that? No. Feel good about it. He was not happy about it. It was actually one of my friends. So, Brun Dempsey says, none of this happened. Wish you weren't a liar. It did happen, and it happened against Tanner Highland. It was a great time. He's one of my friends, and he's probably not listening to the show, but I know people that do know me know him, and that will be a funny thing to talk about this 4th of July weekend. Anyways, we're going to head to our last break. I promise not to tell any more stories from 11 years ago, my glory days of my athletic career. Uh, Well, I don't promise that. I might do it. I don't know. Stick around here. 1450. The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back.
0: Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker.
1: And we're back here for the last segment, with Wednesday edition of the Sports Talker. Could be a short week, so I guess tomorrow could be the, the last day of the Sports Talker for the week. I know everybody listening is not excited about that. Yeah, it's a little, little bone to pick before we get into the thick of things. If you're going to play, I'm I'm okay with, Drake, but I'm not okay with that song.
0: <laughs> well, I guess that's why I'm here and you're there.
1: That's <laughs> well, I just, I just, do you, do you like
0: that song? It's all right. I mean, I don't. It's not like my favorite song, but it's okay.
1: I, I just don't really like Drake's slow jams. I, I, I like Drake. He's got plenty of good songs, but I don't think that's. That's one of them. It's kind of like when, kind of like when Little Wayne started trying to do slow songs. They just, I wasn't. I just wasn't a huge fan.
0: I'll be sure to but play it anyways, more
1: frequently <laughs> Are you gonna close the show on it today? Nah, I won't be. There's, that. there's, okay. Thanks. There's, there's no way that for those listening, Yates picks the music, and I have. I used to pick the music, but it just became i started to trust yates and i i like most of his music selections when we go out of breaks and and it just it got to a point where i trusted him to do do a good job with it but he could play anything and uh, if you are listening and want him to play something embarrassing he could do it and i would have no way of stopping it or knowing about it until we went to the break so that's that's how the music gets picked Around there, Trevor texts into the show and says that he peaked athletically in the little in little league at the age of twelve as well. And the last twenty-two years, have been a slow decline, downhill of his talents. I, I, I don't. I guess I mean I, I don't know if I really peaked athletically when I was twelve, because when I was twelve, I was four foot seventy pounds, and I was kind of that way until my sophomore year of high school, is when I started to actually grow both height-wise and out but i i got better I, man i used to be i used to think i was really good at basketball until really until about 6 months ago and that's when i just uh, I, i'm not nearly as well conditioned it's kind of sad i can't imagine how it actually is for like a real professional athlete that's actually good at sports and not just you know a a lazy person like me that's not good to like realize when you're starting to actually not get good at something, like for I, I don't think Kobe Bryant's there yet, but when he's started, when he can't do the things that he used to be able to do, and he's starting to get beat by guys that he know that he in his mind thinks that he's better than, that's got to be depressing to an extent. Or a guy like Brett Favre who just couldn't make the throws that he used to be able to make, and when he get hit, he couldn't instantly just get back up. That'd be that'd be a hard pill to swallow, and I'm talking about it as me when I'm 23 years old, and most people my age that are good at their sports are coming into their prime, and I'm talking about how I'm, I'm how I'm on my way out of my prime, pretty sad. Anyways, we talked a lot about UK schedule. I think we have made that clear. Brun DMC is texting in Drake lyrics. And he said no and then he tweets in and says, No one you played against, me included, was any good. Oh, that's I'm not yeah, I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing that the, the talent level I went against was all that great. Kalebi one sixteen wants to get in the in the past glory discussions. He says well first he says Bellerman basketball camp had the best chocolate milk. The only reason he went to the camp I know you certainly didn't go to the camp to play basketball. That's based on your game that's for sure and then he says that he peaked in sixth grade he had two touchdowns that year <laughs> that number was cut in half by eighth grade and then he had zero in high school now Clavy 116 who is a, a a friend of mine and a uh, listens to the show every day he played all four years of high school football at st x and saw very limited playing time and i mean as limited as playing time as you can get and ClayBee's 116, you can tweet and tell me if people played less than you. But And this isn't a knock against you. It actually is a compliment for your commitment. You still worked as hard as all the, all, all the people that you played with, like Vic Anderson, who went on to play at Louisville. You worked as hard as him. But you didn't have much to show for it. I think that's impressive. I don't know how people do that. That's part of the reason I didn't play football is because I knew I wasn't going to play, and I just didn't think – I thought it would be a waste of time. So, as always, I appreciate you texting into the show. All the people that have. It's been a fun day from that front. So we talked to UK scheduling. We, we unfortunately talked about USA, Belgium, talked a lot about that. We talked uh, – yesterday we talked about Louisville joining the ACC and that move talked a little more about Tom Jurch's little brother comment, which people on Twitter are talking about today and kind of asked them the same questions that I asked. What, how was that question provoked? Did he bring it up on his own or, or did a media member bring that up to him? That's, I, I still would like to know an answer that might have to make some phone calls and figure that out. Cause it's, it's an interesting, but I guess they mentioned yesterday at the ACC ceremony, which I hope the mascots are gone and away. Just, enough of the mascots. But they announced at the ACC ceremony yesterday that the Louisville-Miami game, the first game of the year, Bobby Torino's first official game back at Louisville, Louisville would be wearing black jerseys, and it would be a blackout. Yates, what's your, what's your thoughts on that?
0: Sounds good to me. I was always a fan of the black jerseys, so I'm, I'm happy to see them return. And I think, I mean, I don't know. Any, any color out is typically fun. It gets the fans excited everybody dressed the same for the most part so yeah i mean i think it's a good idea
1: i thought the blackout just referred to papa john's cardinal stadium's tailgating scene no
0: i mean i'm sure there will be some people blacked out (laughs) as there will probably be at uk's games as well
1: that wasn't that wasn't easy, Yates. Down, down. That wasn't a knock against Louisville fans and their overconsumption habits. That happens everywhere. I'm just saying that if you're gonna have a night game and it's the uh, first game of the year, just like if it was the seventh or the last, it would be a bit, it's gonna be a blackout for a lot of fans. A lot of my friends probably. And I'm not really not the chance that I might not drink a little bit if I if I end up going to that Louisville game. So easy, Yates. Jeez. Man, talking about trying to make sure that everybody knows that not only do Louisville fans drink, but the Kentucky fans drink too. clavy 116 saying that he had two receptions in his career at St. X over four years. That is a commitment. Truly impressive. Two. That's, that's unbelievable. I didn't play any years of Sanex X football or high school football and Clay, you only had two, two more receptions than I did. But again, you're committed. I think you yeah. got a state championship ring. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember when Sanex X won that state championship, I guess 2005. So maybe your freshman year, sophomore year, whenever that was anyway. So it was probably worth it in that front. Speaking of championship rings, this person doesn't have any, Carmelo Anthony, but he's looking to uh, get on a team that maybe will will change that. He's going through the free agent market. He opted out with the Knicks. There's a chance that he could sign with the Knicks. Yates, does he have a list of teams that he's down to? I know that I know he's he has visited Chicago. He's visiting Houston. I know the Mavericks really want him. I know the Knicks want him back. I think Los Angeles wants him. But does he have an official list?
0: Yeah, if he does, I haven't seen it. But I don't know that there are that many teams that could even really sign him if they, you know, that have the cap room to sign him. So it's probably a fairly short list.
1: Yeah, it it will be interesting to see where he ends up. I know that they had Derrick Rose work out for him to kind of show him that Derrick Rose is is healthy and and ready to play. I know the Houston's pulling out all the stops to get him. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up. But again, I've I've brought this up with other players. I've brought it up with LeBron. I've pretty much anybody, Kevin Love, anybody that's going into free agency, I'm staying in the East. I don't care if I get on a loaded team. If Carmelo joined the the Rockets and they were able to work that out financially, which I, I assume that they can, if they're able to work that out, that's a loaded team. You have Dwight Howard, James Harden, Carmelo Anthony. But you're still in the West. Are you better than the Spurs? Probably not. Are you better than the Thunder? Maybe, but in a best-of-seven series at the end of the season, who knows? The Warriors are getting better. The Clippers are are good and, and will continue to to stay talented, the Grizzlies are a bad matchup for a lot of teams. If I'm a free agent, I'm not messing with the West. Even if I'm in the West, I'm switching over to the East. And if I'm in the East, I'm staying in the East and going to a better team in the East. If I'm Carmelo and your options are the Lakers, the Mavericks, the Rockets, the Bulls, and the Knicks, I'm probably going to the Bulls, unfortunately. And you, they have a good chance to compete with the Heat if the Heat stay the same. If they stay with Bosh, Wade, and LeBron, I think a Joe Kim, Noah, Carmelo, Derrick Rose, depending where he's at. I feel like that it could could be. I feel like that's better. Again, you never know what LeBron's gonna do, but you've got LeBron as ranked number one out of those players, and I'm probably going three straight with the Bulls. Before you even get back to a Heat player, so I'm saying the East just so much easier to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then all you got to do is win that one series, and you're and you're in the championship. So I think that'd be a smart move on his part, but again, I, we'll see where he ends up. NBA offseason is the most exciting offseason in sports. It's the only sport where the offseason is actually almost as exciting as the actual season. This is fun. This matters. Carmelo and Anthony, wherever he goes, is going to be significantly better. That's not always the same in the NFL. That's not always the same. It certainly isn't the same in Major League Baseball. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Well, it's been a a fun show. It hasn't been as loud. I haven't been as distracted. There hasn't been as many cheers. But still a fun show nonetheless. And uh, thank everybody for listening. We're running out of time. So we'll be back same time tomorrow on a July third edition, we'll try to make it a very American very American radio show for, for all you. A lot more fun if we could have previewed a, a USA soccer match and I, I'm still not over, don't know when I'm gonna be over. But thanks to everybody tweeting in, texting in. Appreciate it. And we'll be back same time tomorrow. Thanks for listening. From the
0: chickens, I be pitching at the kitchen Trying to make a hundred million at this business Good fella, KD, Ville, Billy's Snappy, Roots, chillin' It's okay, hop in with your boys to the river And we taking the, the back way We don't mind, New y'all just ride to the rhythm Have a sip in the sunshine